Welcome to Drunk on Comics Podcast, episode 235. Tony here, and we have special guest Derek joining us. Thanks, asshole. Been a little bit. It's every other week. Last couple weeks, I've just been busy. We talked about this. I've got things going on. I know, but it's still it's still refreshing to actually see you. And Aww. And it's actually a first that Lynn's had to actually miss. I know, we got to have a bro down. I know, and uh, we definitely, you know, as we get along and we have fun teasing each other and when they are on or off the air, I guess uh, since we record these uh, beginnings before or after we actually record the, the episode, we didn't really talk much about Lynn's being absent. No, no, she was pretty irrelevant. It's <laughs> normal, so yeah. there we yeah, got that reason, down. There were no giggles or vagina comments, so... Oh, but we did uh, talk a lot about uh, a lot of things, a lot of Marvel uh, reveals and big things happening before the end of the year. A lot of, a lot of DC stuff, too. Um, a lot of DC stuff lately we've been talking about. And we used to be so pro-Marvel. What happened oh, yeah. to us? I don't know. Um, we got into a little bit of uh, some harassment that's been going on in Twitter and how people should really not be doing that because that's not cool. Yeah, knock it off, dicks. Uh, I reviewed the greatest, most horrible thing in the world, uh, the DC Rebirth Holiday Special, number one. And I reviewed uh, Aspen Comics' uh, newest uh, executive assistant, Iris, so definitely check that out as well. Um, So I guess everyone, drink some eggnog and enjoy Drunk on Comics Podcast, episode 235, Bro Down Before the Hoedown. The uh, the bro down before hoe down yeah <laughs> pretty much so uh, oh uh, snow snowy snowy yeah. weather yeah it's pretty terrible um, roads suck roads suck um, everything is falling apart it feels like how like, oh, so your life's falling apart only only in the aspect that I have no functional plumbing at my house currently which is pretty shitty when you have to shit <laughs> I had to poop at a Panera bread today. Really? I did, yeah, for dinner. I Whoever went in that bathroom after me has just got to be feeling real miserable. But so what's going on at home? So this happened kind of once two years ago, and I think I should tell this story first because it really leads into this one. Uh, two years ago, I was getting ready for kickball, right? And I was taking a – I didn't shower all day. So I was like, I'll just take a shower even though I'm going to get sweaty, whatever. I feel disgusting right now. So I hopped in the shower, and it was not draining as I was standing in it. So I'm just standing in more and more water. And I'm like, oh, that's fucking weird. So I go try to flush the toilet. Nothing. I'm like, son of a bitch. Guess I'm not going to kickball. Better figure this out. So call the plumber. Roto-Rooter guy comes out, checks everything over. Super nice about it. He goes, well, this is going to be terrible, just so you know. So he opened, like, the main drain line, and no water came out because there was so much shit and stuff plugged in there. Oh. Apparently one of our pipes is angled slightly back because the house settled. So he grabs a screwdriver and goes, sometimes I wish I would have gone to college and just starts stabbing into the poop with a bucket right there and shit water just flows everywhere into this bucket and kind of onto the floor and all this. So there was like poop spray all over our basement, which is pretty foul because that's (laughs) sewage and it does not smell good. Um, So uh, there's a water puddle and I'm jumping over to try to grab this mop to try to fix this, but... 
my shoes I have on are like Chuck Taylors that I'd worn to nothing. So they have no grip. So what do I do in my leap? Slip, fall into the pile of shit water and dislocate my shoulder. That's and then wait, this is a different story. That was the different story. Today okay. was just that I think the same thing is happening, but we have to get the septic tank checked first before we spend like hundred million dollars doing all that other stuff. So I'm worried that I'm going to fall in poop water again, having to clean okay, it up. Yeah, I could see why that you. Yeah, considering I've already done that once before and popped my shoulder out and got made fun of by a rotor rooter guy. Make sure you have uh, high grip strength boots on. Uh, Carabiner wear... yourself to uh-huh. the ducks up above, and I'll have to wear like those food. Uh... Like those food shoes that you're supposed to wear for like kitchens that you yep. can't slip on grease. <laughs> so, yeah. So that was a shitty time. That but. that does suck. Um, there's besides our personal lives that we have our ups and downs in. There, 2016 has turned into a whirlwind of WTF, mate. Like so much death, and I don't feel like whether it's just the internet showing us more people's deaths. I think or... it's a lot of internet because I think everyone just at this point, after like a couple big people died, just went, oh, it's 2016, fuck it. So everyone else that dies just steamrolls. Because every year a lot of people die that are yes, famous. Yes, but I don't feel, though, that there's been this many people that I've at least personally like liked like or looked up to as mm-hmm. stars. Like, sure, you know, back in like the early 90s, I'm sure my parents had childhood stars that passed away. But even then, it seems like it's been a huge like crazy roller coaster of, of death and i was actually just watching the new fuller house season two the other day mm-hmm. and uh alan thick was uh guest star on one of the episodes and i was like oh and i saw a friend on social media say like oh no alan thick and i was thinking oh they they didn't like that episode of like fuller house until then i'm like seeing rip and i'm like what the heck just happened let's go to google and holy cow like he just passed away. He's had like other fun being like the weird Canadian dad. He was on um, a couple episodes of uh, How I Met Your Mother when they had the TV show up there uh, within the show. And researching how he passed away was was kind of crazy cool passing away as a Canadian. That was how uh, like I saw it as a Reddit post was Alan Thicke dies in the most Canadian way possible playing hockey. Yeah, and... That, oh, I mean, he still died at a young age of, of 69, but even then, though, it's one of those things of, like, that is very Canadian way to go, yeah. and I don't know, like, I almost feel like it, it's sad for a son to have witnessed that, but at the same point, it's kind of like one of those things, of, like, my dad's a legend, he went out in the way that all of all us All good Canadians to. should. Yeah. yeah. So that was kind of sad, um, so our, um, you know thinking of him, uh, his family and everything, and, and the many people that grew up watching watching the show, I then saw on social media Bob Barker rising, and I go, oh, no, no, please, no, not Bob Barker, only to find out it was his 93rd birthday. So thank God he's still alive, and he is, man, him and Stanley both, they, they have, they're eating their Wheaties, they are doing something I don't know how that they both are still... They probably drink the blood of children or something. <laughs> well, we all know, like, Stan Lee has Iron Man heart. But, no, they both are very, you know, for as being as old as they are, very, um, I mean, walking around, like, not having to, you know, be an assistant living home or anything. Hell, uh just even saw Stan Lee is starting to write a new uh, web comic series. And he's going to be at C2E2. Yeah, so one more time to try to get to meet him. Like, there's been the last couple times where I'm like, 
I need to get him to sign something because there's no way I'll get this chance again. And he just, he's just, he keeps on giving. He keeps on giving that one more hope of like, this is going to be the last time. And I think I guess we're going to have to stand in that line this year. Yes. That, oh, that is going to suck, (laughs) but be worth it. Um, something that, uh, it's not just, we don't talk politics really on this show. Um, very rarely, and I don't even say that it's a political in nature, but it's very in the way that the world has become, very divisive. And the trolls, particularly the internet trolls, who are spreading hate and harassment. Um, one of the nicest people that I've ever gotten to talk to, Jordi Belair, um, has pretty much just quit Facebook. She's, or not Facebook, but Twitter, um, due to the disturbing harassments that she keeps getting in there. And I just want to know why people, like, she is like amazing perfectionist on colors um very very nice person what would bring anyone to to do that because it's the internet and they have anonymity and it's really stupid and twitter is like troll land and that's the thing that i feel like i mean without getting into like rules and laws of land though i feel though twitter should have a responsibility and all social media should have a responsibility of Let's stop harassment. Um, I think it's just hard on that whole First Amendment freedom of speech, even if it's hate speech, I guess. Yeah, but, I mean, there's always been, and now we're going to get into our political clauses, though, there has always been, though, rules defined on how much free speech a person has. Mm -hmm. Can't, you know, say fire in a crowded theater or um, all that. So it's, it's one thing. It's really, I think it's another thing, though, for other people to speak up and speak out against hate. Um, which is what uh, Jason Latour and Jason Aaron are doing with uh, one of their variant covers that they're making for Southern Bastards coming up uh, in the next month. Uh, all money is going to go to say ACLU, and um, I forget what the other fund is, but last time they did a charity um, comic book cover. It was the Confederate flag one. Yeah, and that, that raised dog eight, eating it. $18,000. Uh, we talked about that. Yeah. It was like last summer. Yeah. And and I really, really get behind um, those two in particular for taking a stance against um, trolling, against you know hate speech. And I think I guess that's the only thing that we can do, but I feel like more of us in the comic book community need to kind of be each brother's keepers and really look out for that and really talk against that talk to our listeners um there's been an outpouring of other uh industry like elites that have come to her defense and also con- condemning it but i think that it also starts with us as the fans to also say hey that's not the way we should talk and if we see any of that and it really probably isn't true fans to begin with they're just people that are like oh this is the next big thing i'm gonna rise out of this yeah and they know me, that they- i'm famous i talk shit to this person yeah um wasn't there a South Park about that? Wasn't that, uh, like, uh, Kyle's dad was just, like, a super troll on the internet? Oh, that's concurrently kind of... Still going, I haven't right seen a few, I've been a few episodes behind, but... Oh, you don't remember? Remember Barry's I do know. <laughs> remember? Remember the Rancor? Remember? <laughs> I remember. The whole... Th- yeah. Um, I feel like if, if Simpsons didn't do it, South Park did it, too. But even Simpsons probably did it first. Yeah. Um, Marvel just released, uh, this week, a bunch of videos on YouTube and they're unique in the sense of it's not much, but it, but it, it brings together the holiday spirit. Um, it is their, their versions of superhero fireplaces, 
Um, what they have is Captain America's uh, Brooklyn apartment, uh, Marvel Miss Marvel's New Jersey home, uh, Thor's Asgard home, um, Iron Man's Manhattan apartment, and the Guardian spaceship. All with a particular fireplace and memorabilia so that you can tell that it's each other's homes. Um, and it's just an hour-long, continuous uh, fireplace going. Almost like last year when Nick Offerman did his sipping whiskey uh-huh. uh, in front of the fireplace. And it goes along with the whole... Uh, it goes to the Yule Log and how it used to be actually on... Uh, I think it was ABC that did it back in like the early 60s as something you could have your TV on. A, they're getting their ratings for it, but then for the people that don't have a fireplace... So this is more of a comic book vested, and I don't know how many people would actually look at it, but I don't know. The The Guardians was kind of cool with like a nuclear kind of looking uh, fireplace and a little baby Groot uh, trying to catch warm by the fire, but nice cool marketing that they had going with that. Yeah, uh, speaking of that, the one I saw the other day that made me laugh was the new Dead Rising game came out for Xbox One as like a Christmas theme and they had a Yule log where like Frank West walks by and just chucks like a zombie leg onto the fire. <laughs> I was like, that's pretty good. Did I, you do it just once or was it like... Well, it just sat there and then it would like sizzle and then like kind of move and... <laughs> yeah. Because that's what the... I, I literally watched most of the Nick Offerman one mm-hmm. to see if like anything randomly would change. Like I fast forwarded a bit and I watched it like on speed. And no, it was really him just sitting there for Drinking an whiskey hour. for like ever. Yeah. yeah. Pretty and, hilarious. And that's what with most of these two, there's some music that comes in and everything. Um, but yeah, but speaking of Christmas and holidays, you picked up a book this week. Yeah, I uh, definitely did that. And I don't know why I spent the $10 other than I knew it was going to be bad and we should probably talk about it. So bad that it's good? Uh, Sure. We'll go with that. Um. <laughs> So, when you think of holiday special, what's the first thing that comes to your mind, Tony? Something where, well, if I'm thinking of comic books, it's where the heroes team up with Santa to save Christmas. Kind of, yes. Um, or just in general, like, what's the worst holiday special you can you can think of? What is the legendary terrible holiday special? God, I don't know. I've There's been so many over the I years. I can't. Like pinpoint one, but it almost seems like all the holiday specials come out with multiple issue, like multiple stories mm-hmm. in in one large book. And that is exactly what happens in this one. There's ten lovely stories of Christmas joy um, held together by Harley Quinn. Oh my God, she's the narrator. Kind of, yeah. Okay. So you know, you know how this is going to be. Um, it is exactly what you would expect for a holiday special, and she basically makes fun of the fact that it is a ridiculous holiday special. Well, okay, so DC Rebirth number one holiday special uh-huh. does, I mean, it's the new, their new world order, but, like, mm-hmm. is there any, like, rebirthing of, like, Santa, like, his origin story within nope. it? or Nope, just, like, little stories that you would expect in a holiday special. Batman really sending don't... the orphanage in Wayne Orphanage. Um, I mean, there's there's Detective Chimp in here in a story. I mean, that's that's fun random with Batman. Um, <laughs> so you know, yeah, that's pretty classy. Um, let's see what other good awesomeness is in here. Um, let's see. There's a Hellblazer story in here where he sits on Santa's lap. Um, I can... Okay, that actually, though, that one seems like it could be fun because of the naughty mm-hmm. list. Yeah, I mean, there's, like, the usual Flash story, him running around, like, putting Christmas presents under the tree for kids and stuff, because, you know... Very... No, that's... That, oh. 
I wonder if, I mean, Santa, I guess, could employ him, and that could save save plenty of time on... Ah, uh... oh, that would be a great... Okay, so this one is all kind of like weird, like weird, whatever. like little little holiday stories. Like I would have liked, I would have liked to have seen saving one, Christmas. I would have liked to have seen what just because like I'm kidding about the Santa's rebirth story, and obviously no one it's not in there. Having him actually have the like multiple different stories, but of him actually becoming one of each of the like they're they're like sick on Christmas Eve, so like they're all set on like different Christmas. Mm-hmm. But the Flash one would be perfect of saying how. That's how he got it all done within an hour. Flash saves like, Christmas or something. Yeah, or... and then then like maybe him being Batman, which he's got to be the good person. So even then he's like, oh, I gotta put you on the naughty list. But then he starts giving all kids like batarangs and uh, shark repellent and stuff. <laughs> shark repellent. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wish I get it why it doesn't really tie into like the current storylines and all that because you don't want someone to have to pay ten dollars for some ridiculous holiday thing that doesn't that has some story that ties in, but. I mean, it's it's exactly what you'd expect for a holiday special. It's just kind of well. That well, I'd say one of the best ones was uh, um, fuck. I can't even remember what it was. It wasn't Gwenpool number one. It was I want to say it was a different. It was a She-Hulk one, but it had the first inklings of the new uh, or Gwenpool um, in it. In which case, even the first issue of Gwenpool, when it became known as her being in the continuity, kind of came out of that with the story, or at least they backed it up. But yeah, as as you say, it's one of those things where shit don't matter in these yeah, things. Yeah, exactly. It's, they just tell a, happy holiday stories that they have all the people that write stuff come in. Like Paul Dini does stuff in here, which is pretty cool. But that's uh, I'm going to be the bah humbug and say those are not. I mean, yeah, they're not worth the price of admission, at no, least for me. No. Nothing. But I grabbed it so we could talk about it. Okay. Um, there is one holiday issue coming out, I think maybe next week. I'm not exactly sure, but I'm pretty sure it is. There's a Luke Cage Sweet Christmas issue. Oh, God. <laughs> you know what? I've never actually thought of, even though whenever he says that, I mean, I automatically think of Christmas. Mm-hmm. I've never thought of being around Christmas time thinking of him as the logical choice of yeah. that. That could be a good that one. That one I will buy just because it's the Sweet Christmas issue. Yeah. And you know he's not going to say it until uh-huh. at the end when he comes home to like see presents and be like, this is a sweet Christmas. Sweet Christmas. And then you cringe like, oh, cheesy, but it could be good. Um, I uh, got my hands on a preview copy, something that won't be in stores until next week um, when this uh, podcast comes out. So i got to be a little cryptic in my review of it. But it is one of those things that I love doing a podcast when we can get free comic books from from places to review and it gives me a wider range of of topics to talk about and discuss like our summer of boom where we reviewed like so many boom comics yes <laughs> there were a lot of good ones coming out that summer to be fair and uh this book is executive assist assistant iris enemies among us number one now this is coming from uh aspen and aspen had recently done their whole uh rev revelations um series where they had it was like one of five where they had fathom and Soulfire, their two big um brands come together and make the whole um universe and rebooted it with that uh happening i know executive assistant was a book that they also debuted a year ago so it's been there before 
um, this new continuity. But for anyone that hasn't read this, and I know Old Man Derek reviewed a couple of the issues as well, and I never got into this. I read more Soulfire than than anything else. I have to say, I I am intrigued. I do like, and is what I talked about last week too, of what the whole IDW Hasbro combining their worlds. Sometimes these reboots can create a good uh, starting points for people to start reading books. Mm -hmm. This isn't throwing out anything that hadn't happened in the previous comic book series, but it is a good starting point for me, who hasn't read this book, to get to know a little bit more of who Iris is. And it also brought me back to a couple of the, the previous podcasts of when Derek talked about it too and how he fell in love with this character. Because it is as simple as that. This this comic book has two two stories in it as well to kind of give a more uh, I don't know what the correct term would be more duality of the world because there's okay. two of them. And uh, I'll start with part two with uh, pain drops. And in this, it has Iris um, pretty much being the assassin that she, the assassin that she is because in this world, executive assistants they are a league of assassins that work for you know the executive they are their assistant in every uh, sense of the manner and they also go off killing other people but their their big code is you can't kill your you know executive that is against their their world order and this uh, story kind of gives you that um that knowledge about it when she's going up against one of the blue uh who also is trying to kill um, one of the major, you know, players in the game. Um, it doesn't really matter who and what uh, the people are. They know though that that when they have their assistants, you know, mm-hmm. that they're pretty much they got an assassin, they got a killer that can protect them. Um, so this kind of gave a little more backstory of the whole clandestine thing. Now the first uh, story that within this book um, had to do more with her overall story arc and what she's been doing. Um, she's been protecting uh, Mr. Chang, and it it goes to where she's, like, internal dialogue, her talking about um, how she feels like a slave uh, half the time, and how she has to do this, and she has to wear whatever they tell her to and everything, and it makes you almost feel like, what the fuck's going on? So, having read this first one as well, which this is also uh, titled First Assignment, so it's kind of giving you that first glimpse of who this character is with with me not even really have known so kind of like a zero issue the, well there actually was a zero oh, issue really? that that gave even more away that came out a, a couple weeks ago um and that one actually i should go back and read just so i can get even more of a, a depth of of this character but it it was so great in the sense of and like i said i kind of got to be cryptic on what all happens to i'm starting to think like wow this person this sucks like I'm wondering why she's this person's, you know, mm-hmm. executive assistant. Well, you then find out in the second uh, story of, well, there is this group of people that does this, so that's how she is. She's kind of, by soldier's orders, code or whatever, even though that, you know, he's not a bad guy, good guy, but he's just her employer, that she kind of has to do what he says. Um she also gets a pretty rad-ass uh, sword, and that's all I'm going to say in there. But it really went into the, the the depth of the character of she knows her mission, she knows she can kick ass, but you also don't really know who or what is going to happen, especially when there are other executive assistants around. 
Um, that's kind of why the whole series being called Enemies Among Us um, kind of goes into. That's all safe, so obviously you can kind of gather that she's going to be fighting another executive assistant. But it's a departure from the superheroes that I've seen. It's a little bit more secretive, clandestine, um, you know, almost like the bla- the hand or, uh-huh. you know, any sort of like ninja type uh, story of espionage. So really, really good. Um, and, and I have to say, too, even just besides the, the stories that um, that were both uh, written um, within Vince Hernandez did Pain Drops and uh, David Wall did First Assignment. It, it goes down to Aspen's uh, tenacity for their art. All Aspen books that I've ever seen, ever reviewed, their comics are just gorgeous. And this just hands down uh, as well was just the same amount. Um, Gisipi Cafaro on first assignment and West Hartman as colorist. Randy Green, pencils. Mark Roslin uh, did the digital inks. And Hartman did the colors as well on the part two. That is the biggest, besides, like I said, the story that is unique, just get it for even the pictures, man. It They they do so much with their pages that it's just incredible. So kind of wanted to get back into the Aspen universe, and this is the first uh, of many that I will probably be revealing in the future because now with their whole new world, um, it's definitely easier to be a new reader to get on in. Sweet. I've never read much Aspen stuff. I don't think maybe i have but well we get free of it so oh, maybe i should definitely push it out um one of the movies that is going to be coming out which i am very excited for is the great wall now you know there's controversy of it because um is it the mad damon one yeah because mad damon is in so it. so it's last samurai all over again no that's not that's exactly not what it is if you paid attention it is about giant Kaji. No, it wouldn't be Kaji because that's uh, Japan. Japan. But giant monsters, either or. Uh, and Legendary is coming out with a brand new uh, prequel book okay. to the movie that's coming out in February. Now, whenever I see... There's been so many prequel books, too. Like, uh, there was a, a Kong Skull Island that recently came out. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, a, I mean, there's a Pacific Rim one, too, that explored it. I am totally fine with some of these uh, products taking that license and coming up with more to, to talk about. I mean, it fleshes out the world in a way of moviegoers who don't care about that and just care about the thrill and, oh, that was action-packed, cool. But for people like me that like in-depth analysis of how could this have happened, you know, what is the exact reasoning behind these monsters coming out? I may not get all of that. But what I will get at least is to know a little bit more of this world um, and where, you know, some of these monsters might be before mm-hmm. uh, the events of Matt Damon and company going to the wall. Matt Damon. Um, could have mentioned this easily right after uh, you talked about your DC book, but uh, I had to review mine. But DC Comics announces a Hanna-Barbera crossover coming this spring there are a few of them that are like the greatest thing ever no each book though it seems like they're gonna have uh two stories within but um talking mainly about the the main titles that are gonna be in each we got suicide and banana splits annual number one we have uh adam strange future quest number one those two i'm like okay i'll probably pick them up because 
with the books that DC has been putting out of uh, the Hanna-Barbera comics, they have been golden. And I am happy to see some of these heroes, and, and not only that, but even in the back of um, the Adam Strange Future Quest one, the backup story is Top Cat um, breaking out of prison, and he, uh, you know, gets a portal to planet Earth where mm-hmm. he meets Batman. So therefore, having Batman in anything is just going to be great. But the best, and I don't even know which one I'm more excited for, Booster Gold and the Flintstones. Flintstones has by far been one of the best written comic books in the past year. Like, if that doesn't win some awards for just the nuanced uh, political, you know, ramifications and everything that they've really been putting into the books, as well as the art style and just reinvigorating, you know, the land of Stone Age family. But Booster Gold, man. Dude. Yeah. Him, him from the future who has landed here in our normal times... You know, he's kind of like, he kind of knows, he's like, oh, I know this, or I got future stocks, or I got this and that. But to land in a world where they have technology, I know it's but not like our technology, that's going to be very interesting. And obviously it's going to be kind of where Barney and uh, Fred have to kind of help them get to the normal timeline. But that is going to be some hijinks uh, waiting to happen. But... I think not the, the best one. Yeah, the best one is going to be Green Lantern and Space Ghost. I love Space Ghost. Oh, I love Space Ghost too. Did you actually know when Space Ghost, uh, when Cartoon Network um, was first going to air their first made-for-TV show, it was going to actually be wacky racers like across the USA or something. But the night before, the creator had like a fever dream of a show starring Space Ghost having a talk show. <laughs> So all of a sudden, like the night before they were going to start producing this wacky, wacky race land, they then created Space Ghost Coast to Coast, which is where most of us have learned of Space Ghost. Mm-hmm. Now, they also re-aired many of the old Space Ghost shows. They had uh, the, what the hell were the, the Gobloids or the, I forget, the Herculeans. They had like, there's a blob and there's a giant pterodactyl and there's like those two like cavemen type mm-hmm. people. And a couple of the other of the old Hanna-Barbera uh, stick cartoons, like uh, Jan and Jane, the, the Wonder Twins. And Space Ghost, though, Coast to Coast, was amazing. And having him like team up with uh, the Green Lantern, I, I'm i very curious as to I'll buy it. how Space Ghost... And, what, and I'm also wondering, though, in the vein of what they're going to write him in, because Space Ghost, uh, Coast to Coast Space Ghost, was kind of dumb yeah they made him a very stupid person but where in the old cartoon show i mean he was a space fighting person that could turn invisible mm-hmm. and knew what he was doing and fucked up shit so are they gonna have him be a serious i hope they make him more of a goofy iconic person but what happens when he gets a power ring oh yeah like if he gets a green lantern ring um but what color ring would he have? Would he have a like white ring? Like, no, there could only be one white ranger. But, <laughs> but no, no. If he gets like, if he somehow gets um, Hal Jordan's ring, um, what he would manifest, what he would like look like. I mean, would it allow him to? Because it always seems like. Now that's the one thing with I guess Green Lantern. Now that I'll kind of be like, 
it seems like the the rings will go on to almost anyone except yeah. for people when it won't matter like it doesn't work like half the half the stories show all of a sudden anyone can put this on in the time of need but then at the same point this ring doesn't work except for me and my bio signature I don't know. It'll be interesting then the, how they the ring kind of always seems to have a mind of its own. Like I, yeah, I I don't know how to say it otherwise. Like it kind of does its own thing. They always do. So that I just hope Space Ghost has one and his goofy Space Ghost. And didn't the guy that was the voice of Zorak die this year too? Since yeah, we're talking about shitty twenty sixteens. Yep. Yeah. God, it, that was. I'm. I think I'm gonna have to go re re look up some of those shows. Um, just because I'll never forget not knowing who Moby was, but uh-huh. Moby was one of the first guest stars on that show, and <laughs> Space Ghost just—he was so irrelevant that they didn't have what I felt like very, very popular people on the yeah, show. Yeah, oh, it was always just weird ass people on that show, and it was well, great. He had Conan on it once, Did and he? that one was great. But I think because Conan got the joke, he knew going into it like this is going to be stupid whatever um but it was moby and conan are the two big guests that i can remember i could actually probably say though at the time because i watched it when i was younger i didn't probably know half the people so i'm sure if like seeing a a guest list of who all appeared Uh i'd be like holy shit i didn't know that do you remember the cartoon planet show that had brack zorak and space ghost on it Yes. Then they had two cds that they put out from that show Mm -hmm. yeah i had both of them really yeah (laughs) oh man um so I have some, not really, uh, call it Marvel Corner of the Universe, I don't know. We talk a lot about DC lately, because they seem to be doing everything right, except for Christmas specials. Yeah, well, no one can do Christmas specials right. It's true. Um, but Marvel has a lot of stuff that is ending this year in kind of like a unique way. Um, we have the big Civil War event ending, and some repercussions coming from that, some other books that have uh, tie-ins to future uh, endeavors, and a couple of them that are the big, um, not really, well, these are going to be spoilers if you haven't read them yet, Um, in all-new X-Men number 16, Beast's transformation, Young Beast's transformation into Beast, um, was very well put, and I have to say what they've been doing with that character has been crazy. Now, you may not know this because you haven't read a lot of the X-Men books, but when they the old team, the young team came, you know all that plot mm-hmm. light and everything. Well, the whole world was going to end, and if one of the younger selves died, then the older self would, and they kind of just retconned all that continuity to where they can be their own beings in this uh, this time timeline. Okay. But with that, they've been growing up differently than the older uh, versions. I mean, we have old Cyclops is now dead, so we have young Cyclops take his place. Um, old Beast is helping the Inhumans or trying to do all that shit which i'll talk about later so we have young beast here who has uh said he does not want to kind of use science to work like beast kind of started having the hair grow and started experimenting on himself to try to take make him not so beastly he wanted to be more human like and that turned him into more beastly incarnations of the beast hence he got his name so we have this young hank um, which, for all intents and purposes, that's I'm gonna like be talking about now. Uh, this Hank McCoy, who then started dabbling in um, magic, in the last couple books, and it's come to fruition where within this uh, this story arc, 
he has now become the beast, but one of demonic proportions. Oh, good. So it's almost as if like Terminator Two, like you can't you know change the future. It will somehow happen, but in different ways than you think will happen. This was very like very well storytelling of having him not science based turn into the beast, but magic beast or magically turn into the beast. And at the end of the the whole story arc after the giant battle, um, he then uh, turns back after fighting the the Goblin Queen and her demon hordes and everything. Um, he has like huge magical powers and everything. You see him back as normal humanoid. Uh, Hank, but you get the internal dialogue of like, you know, not everything's fine with him. So you think, oh, well, that was like a one-off thing, but what if he can now, his, not mutant ability, because his mutant ability kind of has been strong and he does have like more ape-like appendages that he's drawn in, but what if he can now like transform into this other beast incarn, you know. Incarnation? Yeah. Magical beast? Almost like how magic when she goes to Limbo, kind of turns into her uh, other self, um, and it doesn't always cross over in the real world, but him being, like, a same level and not knowing quite where he's getting this power Mm -hmm. from is a nice take on it, and so I'm kind of happy to see um, that hitting hitting the reader waves. Now, two big uh, things that uh, have been going on with... uh, with the Civil War is Hulk died, and then the Hand revived Hulk as zombie Horde Hulk. And he now has, within the latest issue of Uncanny Avengers, his his body has been, well, he's gotten the demon whatever was in him sucked out of him. Brother Voodoo helped him get that out. And he now then is lifeless body, I guess converted back into Banner, and last we kind of see Tony Stark, or not Tony Stark, uh, Steve Rogers taking him away. So, his body's not buried yet, so still, I can only, hope. I can only, I mean, that one I can only imagine. I mean, they said the lifeless, but they didn't really say lifeless, but it looked like it, so I can only imagine that they're going to probably revive him in one way. The biggest of the reveals came in the new uh, Spider-Man number 10, which... This is coming out even before the last Civil War number eight uh, book hits, um, and it's elaborated. I mean, it happened at the end of issue number seven, but it's more elaborated here. What exactly happens to Tony Stark? And um, as we saw at the end of number seven, um, you know, we saw Tony Stark's uh, body uh, laying down. Well, we kind of get to see that it's apparent that Tony is pretty much dead. Uh, young uh, Miles is like looking at a, a lifeless uh, dead body of Tony and it's exactly as we've predicted the big twist would not be Captain America dies at Civil War because that happened in number one mm-hmm. but Tony Stark the other side would which he wasn't even really the big side it was Carol on this one Carol versus yeah. everyone but it's interesting to to note that we still have Ulysses' uh, vision of Miles have, having a dead Captain America at his hands, even though Miles is the farthest from anything that could possibly turn into a bad guy villain. So, was Ulysses full of shit all the time, or his do his visions truly do come true? Um, that would be to 
be determined probably in the the last issue number eight but is eight the last one or did they stretch it from what i know is eight is the last one um and it would make more sense too if they're actually going to try to wrap this shit up before the new year but i don't think they they had i don't know yeah i don't remember i thought i saw something was it supposed to be seven originally and they made it eight uh, this one, no, this one was always going to be... Some of Secret Wars they made was, way longer. Well, the Secret Wars that they stretched longer. I don't know, actually, to be honest, though, they could have... Secret Wars just took forever when they announced it late in the game. Mm-hmm. This one may have, when it initially was announced back in summer, could have been seven, but if you announce it then a month later that it's going to be eight, it's not that big of a deal, so mm-hmm. that news is over. Uh, Vin Diesel, my favorite nerd, <laughs> is talking... Okay, it's it's hard to explain with a person who only voices a character uh, within a movie, him voicing Groot, how much his uh, opinions truly weigh. But he's been talking a lot of smack about how in the new Affinity War movie, we're going to see Groot take on the Hulk. Now, I think this is more of his own personal wanting this to happen. And not necessarily what the writers or anyone that has anything to do with if the I movies. say it, it must be true. I'm yeah. big and famous. But then again, though, I mean, he's the one that's also been saying, you know, I, I want to play back Black Bolt, I want to play Black Bolt, and me thinking, you know, he wouldn't be that bad of, of, a, of a nose and a mouth of Black Bolt. With, Doesn't really have to talk. Yeah, well, yeah, he's already got that going for him with Groot, so. Yeah. And, Groot. and actually, it would be great if he did was Black Bolt, and that was one of the words he said randomly in, like, the TV show coming up. But he's too big of a star to actually star in the actual TV show that they're doing of Inhuman, so I don't see that happening. In what, making exclusively Fast and the Furious movies? Well, you know, so speaking of Vin Diesel, uh, and besides, like, I will say this, that he's doing Baby Groot's voice as well, (laughs) I truly want to, and I'll try to calculate this before our next uh, episode, how much he gets paid for those three words? Now I've said it. He's immensely on all the different region DVDs. Did it in those uh, like uh, languages, and there is nuance of how he says "I am Groot." Like he can say it slow, he can say it loud, he can say. It. So he had to record it's multiple. Been Groot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so for our German listeners, <laughs> I, I do want to know though, like just how much he did get paid compared to just those three words, because I do know that he has more dialogue that he had to record multiple times of I am Groot, but mm-hmm. really you can say I am Groot, I am Groot, I am Groot, like multiple times and I'm you'd Groot. be done within like an hour of saying it. Um, yeah. But uh, they're making a triple X movie now and it's... I saw, but he was supposed to be dead in the second one, so I guess he wasn't dead. Oh, Very confused. Is that the one with uh, Ice Cube? Ice Cube, yes. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll see, we'll see how that happens, I, I guess. Uh... Hollywood star movies don't die, just like comic book movies. I guess not. You can always bring someone back. That is the comic book way. If you think someone's dead, they find a way to bring it back. Uh, Ryan Reynolds got a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. That's fun. But did you see what Hugh Jackman did? I did not. Oh, my God. Okay. I was hoping that you had seen this before we recorded. So Hugh Jackman then sent uh, a a tweet, a video tweet out congratulating uh, Ryan Reynolds on the accomplishment. But obviously it's coming from uh, Hugh's uh, personal Twitter account, so you know that's mm-hmm. him posting it. But it, the video starts off with this giant uh, face of Ryan Reynolds on a popsicle stick. Was it like the cutout thing from like staple to his face? Like, y- sort y- of almost, thing? Okay. Well, no, no, well, yeah. Uh, well, no, it was, 
It wasn't Hughes' face, though. Yeah, but it was, it was Ryan Reynolds' yeah. the reverse. And uh, and he's holding this, and he's speaking in a very, very uh, Australian accent. I mean, you he's not trying to hide it, but he's pretending to... Hi, I'm Ryan Reynolds, and I just wanted to say, you know, that uh, as I've, you know, gotten my own star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, uh, that it is totally okay for you to piss on it if you want. (laughs) (laughs) And and I do have to give a shout-out to my favorite uh, Australian actor um, and fellow, you know, Marvel comrade, you know, Hugh Jackman and, and all that. And it was really, like not really a big news thing and it was really irrelevant but it was hilarious as shit so um definitely i'll have to watch it yeah i didn't have time today but yeah that that does sound pretty entertaining because good old hugh jackman and ryan reynolds they're both hilarious So I have uh, one last uh, news little just thing. Fucking say it, Tony. I know you wanted to this whole time. But I mean, I was just I was just saving it. I mean, it has nothing to do with the trailer that everyone should have watched. But Boom's uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers is offering masks to prom- promote the new Mysterious Ranger uh, come January, and. Although this is like kind of the least bit of like Power Rangers news that I could kind of come up with this week, it is one of those things of like I'm gonna actually be going to my comic book shop asking for one of these, one for me, one for my nephew, and one for my like one year old, not even one year old nephew, just because I so want are multiple. They just like extra masks. Yeah, kind of like you know how like other like Marvel has done like little like. Uh, what are they like paper folding like there was one time like where you could collect a couple different an arm uh, and legs like they had five different things that came out each week so it kind of made you incentivized to go to your comic book shop each week and you could build a little uh, Iron um, Hulkbuster Iron Man okay that was cool except for I only got an arm and a leg because <laughs> they kept running out the times when I went there but they do promotions like this every now and then so they have coming out with the the mask of the new uh white ranger that debuted uh in issue number uh nine a couple weeks ago and issue 11 is going to finally reveal that so coming right uh at the release of the january 18th uh of issue 11 they're gonna have those so i will see if i can snag you an extra one because i know you'll be very excited i actually would and just in case my comic shop which i, I can get it taken care of awesome I'll thank just, you i'll just go talk to don it'll be good thanks <laughs> thanks comic signal yeah exactly <laughs> thanks don oh man so uh booze in a book this week is a unique pairing because of it was good but then uh, one small aspect made me not like it, but yet it's still good, and it is uh, Inhumans versus X-Men number one. I picked it up, but I haven't read it yet. So, I'm not going to spoil the story too much except for one key part, and that's the part that pissed me off. Some of the pairings of fighting and everything was great. Karnak was great. 
how I've hated some of what's been going on with the Inhumans has not been great. Uh, Beast has kind of become a big pussy of, oh, I tried, I tried, blah, blah, blah. But Magneto in it was kicking ass. Like, it seems like they've gotten rid of, like, the same old, like, with the X-Men versus uh, Avengers one that they uh-huh. did twice now, it seems like. <laughs> uh, it, this just, it seemed a little more refreshing of each person's, uh, not even history background, but, like, their type of stories that they have. You have the royal family, but all the other Inhumans. You have Medusa kind of being the bitch queen of, like, Inhumans matter more than anything. You have the mutants, like, we don't be wiped out, which is kind of the same old story, but in a way of they're not so being pacifistic with, you know, Xavier there. It was really good. What was bad and what has been ticking me off a lot, it was a pivotal moment within the book where... um we have uh, uh, Emma Frost pretty much uh, fighting Black Bolt and Dazzler comes out and the way that Black Bolt has been written is what really irks me because he then is about ready to level like this building that they're in and part of the city with his sonic blast and it now this is honestly a canon because he has fought Dazzler in the past and she has stopped his, you know, scream and absorbed the power because that's her power. She absorbs sonic vibrations and then um, makes her Dazzler magic, which was greatly written. And then we talked about it before back at the uh, Marvel event Hammers for Everyone when her and Siren paired up in the X-Men books and he kept sonically screaming at her and she kept getting super powerful to like, you know, alpha levels. What I hate about this is that how easily Emma kicks his ass when he has he has superhuman strength. He's like fought the Hulk and the thing before, like gone toe to toe with them just with him being him because of his strength. Part of where he's written has always been on how powerful his blast is, that his character has always been about restraint and like uh in ingenuity how did how to beat them with my fists instead of like easily overpower them but the greatest is his power isn't like sonic at all it is uh he has a unique uh, organic mechanism that's able to generate unknown particles that interact with the electrons that he absorbs uh with a certain phenomenon with his mental control what happened is when he went through terragenesis when he speaks it accidentally triggers that that's why he doesn't talk it has nothing to do with his speech in fact so much that just his mere whisper can 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 blow up a building so when dazzler absorbs his powers it'd be almost as if i just screamed right now to she would be absorbing my scream she can't be absorbing his powers because it's not a sonic you know shock wave it's an electron type nuclear blast but she does that in this book, and that's what kind of just pissed me off. Does that make sense? Yeah. Of why, I, I, like, it was a well-written book. I'm not liking how they're writing. But you're nitpicking something? Yes. And so, nitpicker. with that, I am pairing this with a Stroh's. <laughs> the reason why is this. Stroh's is actually a beer that I like. It's a beer that my grandpa liked. However, Stroh's, uh, after being uh, bought in, like, uh, the late, uh, like, 1999... Um, by PBR 
became a generic watered-down version. However, um, just this past August, um, uh, a brewery in Detroit um, called Brew Detroit uh, began uh, making batches of uh, Stroh's uh, Bohemian style, like the original recipe, mm -hmm. something that wasn't watered down. Now, I had one uh, a couple weeks ago. So one in the pill bottle, right? Or in the medicine bottle? Yeah. Now? And it's the good old style that was the original style. So it's a good beer. Even the, the shitty version is a great shitty version. So with there being two Stroh's amongst, you know, at least here in Michigan, we can get the good style, mm -hmm. but you can also get the shitty style. I felt that it was the best beer to pair with this book, which was good, but there's a tint of, of not liking. That's my booze in the book for the week. Uh, Derek, you got any uh, final thoughts to uh, lead us on I, our I, way? I, since it is the Christmas season, I do have a fun quote that I found that I, I thought we could share. Um, Christmas, it's the only religious holiday that is also a federal holiday. That way, Christians can go to their services and everyone else can sit at home and reflect on the true meaning of the separation of church and state. <laughs> it's Samantha B. Oh, nice. <laughs> All right. Uh, with that, uh, yeah, we didn't. We did talk a little bit about Christmas, but since this is going to be our last episode before Christmas comes out, we have one more before the new year ends. Um, I guess uh, stay thirsty for uh, having fun with family and friends over this uh, holiday week. Get drunk on eggnog. <laughs> <laughs>